Big Fluff. Okay, strategy session. Okay, our enemy is wicked. Dude, so, she's Freddy Krueger. No, Damien. Dude, she's Vader. No, she's the Emperor. Yeah, but with really great tits. Okay, now, Sandy, that girl, she's a nice girl. Oh yeah. She's a sweetheart. Dude, a saint. It's a goddess. A princess. You know what? She's kind of like Mother Teresa. Yeah, but with way better tits. And Darren loves Sandy no matter what he says. Definitely. That is why we have to intervene. Yep. And fix the problem. Definitely. All right. Yeah. We're going to kidnap Judith and set Darren up with Sandy. Yeah. What? Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And uh, we've done some wrong in this world. Uh, we've just subjected friends and loved ones to some truly awful things. And the month of May is the month where we let them get at least an iota of revenge or recompense for what we've done. So uh, in the spirit of that, we've welcomed back the one and only Molly Regan, to talk about saving Silverman. What's up, Molly? What's up? I, you know, I, I feel this, I feel weird calling this like revenge of the guests because you guys, for two out of the three uh, episodes that I was on, I, I feel like I kind of lucked out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I got to watch Spice World, which was just a treat. Uh, like, I would watch Spice World any day of the week. And I got to watch Bad Girls Go to Hell, which is kind of one of the coolest just viewing experiences I've had recently. Um, so this is really only for Don't Worry Darling. But like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, two out of three. Like, come on. But that third. The, but that third one does <laughs> really, like, kind of tilts it. I will say, as amazing as uh, Good Girls Go to Hell is, one of the toughest watches I think that we maybe have done for this. That's just a, that is a movie that takes up brain space for a long time. Well, yeah, it's not. Look, I mean, compared to like, you know, Spice World, like it's not, like I said, it's not a treat to watch. No. <laughs> um. So I, I'll say I, when I was going for a movie to pick, I don't know that I really had revenge on the mind. Like, I was sort of like, eh, maybe if it was just Don't Worry Darling, I would have been a little, a little more calculated in my viewing choice. Um, but I, I have to, I do have to say the guests have been pretty nice to us. Like, I'm waiting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, th I think that, yeah, I don't know, because all the, all the movies this month have been equally enjoyable. Uh, and especially compared to some of the things that we've forced people to watch on this podcast. But I just if you're one of our future guest revengers uh, coming up, I mean, you still we got two more weeks to really punish us. <laughs> so let us have it. Yeah. Um, Make us watch Caddyshack 2 again. <laughs> that's luckily that the one of the few caveats we put on the revenge guests is that you cannot uh, do repeats. So Yeah. Well, but also, I think that's a good reminder, too, that we are hard... Like, as much as we have punished our guests, we have punished ourselves worse. I mean, yeah. there is a conversation to be had that considering I 
am married to Joel, I have to watch all of these movies as well. That's true, too. And you don't even get the release of talking about them on a podcast. You don't get to expunge them from your system the way that (laughs) that we do. No, I'm just muttering to myself in the background, just going, you love them. God damn it. (laughs) Whereas we're here lighting these paper lanterns and sending them off into the night sky to release ourselves from this (laughs) horror. (laughs) That's not a metaphor. Andy and I do that at the end of every episode. Yeah. Once again, I'm married to you. I know. I know how that's this for the goes. Listeners. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> listeners don't know. Because um, that doesn't translate well to an audio medium. Uh, the, the sound of a lit paper lantern floating away is surprisingly not good for recording. Well, also, that's really just for you. Yeah. That's, that's fair. We're, we're letting you in on a little bit of a, a glimpse into our world. But Saving Silverman, that's a movie. <laughs> Saving Silverman. Yeah, Molly, why? I want to I want to say this non-judgmentally, but why did you pick this movie? <laughs> so when I was thinking of a movie to pick, I I remembered. So if you guys remember, um, you know, back in the days of uh, cable television, uh, there was a channel called Comedy Central mm-hmm. and they used to have something called the Comedy Central Secret Stash. Which was at one in the morning, they would play movies unedited. So you could see all the boobs, you could hear all of the cuss words, and it was very thrilling for a 12 year old me who was a night owl and could watch all of these just filthy movies. Yeah, hey, for, for our long... Don't, don't tell yourself short. It was very thrilling for 22-year-old me as well. <laughs> Fair. But but yeah, for our younger, uh, you know, listeners who have only grown up in an era of streaming and internet when all things are available at all times, th- these are back in the, the old days when you had to stay up and be fortunate to see boobs. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, there's a lot of movies that I hold really dear um, and a lot of movies that ended up becoming very popular at like slumber parties that I know are not great are very problematic but I still really treasure them and because they're just very formative to you growing up and I'm really was really curious to kind of rewatch some of them because while I know they're probably bad i kind of am curious to be like well how bad because we kind of swing the pendulum to these really extreme places but at the end of the day i'm like i still love these movies and they really formed me um so saving silverman was one of those movies i remembered watching at one in the morning um and i decided that that was the one i wanted to rewatch. Uh, looking it up, it has a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was sort of like, I know this isn't great, but that feels harsh. Just given the, like my memory of this movie, that, yeah. that feels like an overreaction. Um, uh, card, cards on the table. I, I would put this movie in the conversation for some of the more unfairly maligned movies that we've watched for this podcast. I think it's unfairly maligned just... Like, it's again, it's not a great movie. It's not a classic. I'm not saying we need to, you know, like go back and like champion this movie as a secret feminist manifesto. It's not. But (laughs) 
But it's not 19%. Yeah, 19% is punitive. Like, that's that's unfair. Dennis Dugan pissed someone off, clearly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he did by making Little Nicky and Jack and Jill and all the Happy Madison movies. I almost picked Little Nicky because that was another one, by the way, (laughs) that I had. I'm amazed that we have not done a single Adam Sandler movie in three years of this podcast. Are they maligned? (laughs) That's why we haven't done them. Never mind. Uh, Cheerfully withdrawn. (laughs) Uh, no, I I will say, I mean, so this movie, for people that if they're not familiar with Saving Silverman, it came out in 2001 and it's a, a buddy comedy about dudes and one of them is in love. And if you know anything about movies from the late 90s, early 2000s, most of them aged terribly. I will say shockingly, this aged better than most. It's the whole... Uh, any movie that came out in 2001, as somebody who was 11 years old in 2001, I'm astonished at how, how, uh, how I, my own personal coming of age watching these movies as a young woman <laughs> in that era because of the, the general themes in those movies where they are, I don't even like to say they're misogynistic doesn't feel like it's really even hitting the nose, like hitting the point. They are. They are just bizarre in their understanding of gender dynamics. Well, that's why I think almost the word sexist makes a little bit more sense than misogynistic. Because It's not like some of them are anti-women and I'm not going to defend for a second that some of them aren't. But like. It's just a complete misunderstanding of of just intergender relationship politics. Yeah. That I think Andy Kaufman and his women's intergender championship wrestling belt had a better understanding of <laughs> yes. some of these 90s movies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think, again, like not, not to get too into the weeds on this, but being in middle school with this era of comedy was... <laughs> The American Pie era of comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The American Pie era was very weird and somewhat treacherous. Well, and the the pie fucker is in this movie. So he, well, that. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's why when when Joel started the the sentence, like a lot of movies from this era, I thought he was going to finish it with it starred either Jason Biggs, Steve Zahn, or Jack Black, and this <laughs> yeah. movie has all of them. Yep. Yeah, one of them is in every movie that came out between 1998 and 2003. It was a rule. It, it's just true. And uh, the, the and Zahn Jack Black Biggs uh, quotient of the movies. Yeah, yeah. And Jack Black's the only one still getting that much work today, <laughs> which He's... is a shame because Steve Zahn is great. Yes. Wasn't he in uh, White Lotus? He was. Didn't we? Didn't we see his junk in White Lotus? We did. <laughs> yeah. So you know, Steve Zahn. <laughs> he's doing well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, like, I guess we should set it up if, if people haven't seen it again. So this is yeah, this is the era of American Pie. This is the era of women be shopping, where men and women are very different. And they, you know, they date each other, but they don't understand each other. So we're, we're dealing with that sort of genre of movies. And the setup of this is that Jason Biggs plays the titular Silverman. And he is in a 
Neil Diamond cover band uh, with his two best friends. And then he meets a girl, Amanda Pete, who uh, is kind of terrible to him. And oh, she's emotionally abusive. Yeah. But yeah, also, but also, interestingly, his friends are terrible to her. So it's uh, there aren't winners in this situation. But anyway, yeah. so they so she's she's emotionally abusive towards him. Uh, his friends immediately make a bad impression with her and she forbids them from seeing Silverman anymore. And then they decide that what they're going to do, the only solution, as we heard in that opening clip, is they're going to kidnap her and try to reunite him with his high school girlfriend who has since run off to join the circus and then come back from that to become a nun. I well, just, she didn't as so much run off to join the circus. She was a f- from a family of circus performers. Right. I'd just like to point out that it's Sandy Perkis whose family joined the circus. Yeah, which is <laughs> chef's kiss already. Yeah. Early silver lining is that her last name is Perkis and she and she with the performs circus. in the circus. Yep. Yeah. Her mom is the bearded lady. I don't remember what her other family was. Her dad is the strong man and her little brother is the dog-faced boy. Right. There we go. And yeah, so she had a tragedy where uh, essentially she had uh, Robin's origin story from Batman where her oh trapeze God, artist <laughs> partner died. And then instead of becoming a vigilante, she's going to become a nun. Well, no, there's only two ways to go with. Yeah, she joined up with a, a group that is favors black outfits and has a ridiculous workout regimen. So she basically became Robin. That's true. That makes you swear oaths and you yeah. know, like forego all personal relationships in favor of a greater cause. Yeah, you know what? It is the same thing. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and Arlie Ermey's there too. Arlie Ermey plays their high school high football school football coach, coach, yep. coach who Horton. who went to jail for murdering someone yep and where he like manslaughter i, I mean, mean manslaughter it was second degree murder maybe manslaughter he uh he picked up uh, a flag right and, yeah. and threw it javelin style through the ref's chest yep killing him during a game uh, and so he's in prison and uh, and yeah, and they Neil Diamond is in this movie a lot. They're obsessed with him. Jack Black because is in love with him. They're in a cover band called Diamonds in the Rough. Yeah, they have a, and he has a restraining order against them. Yeah. And that's the movie. And that's the movie. I think I mean, we kind of covered it, but just to to do our due diligence, I think probably the important thing to say and any impressionable young people that are out there listening, if your friend is dating someone you don't like, do not kidnap that person. Yeah, that's probably a bad way to go. Yeah. Um, and if you do, now I'm not even going to go down that road because that, that might lead people astray. And I'm not going to do that. Say that if you were to kidnap somebody, how, to, how should you go about doing it? Um, yeah, don't, don't kidnap people. That's, a, that's an SLP PSA. <laughs> the more you know. Because knowing is half the battle. That's Anyways, no, don't advice. kidnap people. Yeah. Uh, if you... Uh, we've all, I'm sure, been in situations where someone in our friend group is dating someone that we're not a fan of. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, you know, it happens. Uh, I know that when Joel started dating me, Molly was very upset. Uh, yeah. She got over it after kidnapping me. <laughs> 
and you then know, you two needed, fell in love. We needed that that time to build that group dynamic. So yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, yeah, don't kidnap someone just because you don't like they're dating your friend and you don't like that fact that's not a good reason for kidnapping have a better reason for kidnapping someone <laughs> if there's one takeaway <laughs> if you're gonna kidnap someone there are better reasons yeah because you don't know what, you, what kind of ransom you're gonna get you don't know <laughs> yeah I which mean, is, they weren't even seeking a ransom i mean i that's the other thing look if you're gonna kidnap someone one, have a good reason, but then two, have an end game because they faked her death. They were uh, trying to get him to fall in love with Sandy Perkis, as we <laughs> discussed. But then what was their plan eventually? Because it was very clear that their coach wanted them to murder her, but they weren't going to do it. But what were they going to do? They were going to release her, at which point she would turn them into the police and the whole thing would probably crumble. Silverman would never talk to them again. I mean, it all fell apart anyway, but even in the best case, they didn't have a good No, there's no end game that works out well for everybody. I mean, I think that's this my biggest... This was big- the one happy ending. Right. That's my biggest knock on this movie, is that the plot hinges on them kidnapping Judith, but they have no actual follow-through on it. They have no real plan. So, frankly, I think that's just a plot hole. Which, again, I understand that from Jack Black's character, because he doesn't seem that bright. And he is very reactionary. But Steve Zahn, come on, buddy. He kills things for a living. He's in pest control. Yeah, his whole (laughs) deal is shooting things with tranquilizer darts and and entrapping them. I mean, that's what he gets. He makes a living doing that. That cowboy Wayne LaFessier isn't able to come up with a better plan. Yeah. (sighs) Just real thin movie. Real thin. You know what? That 19% is making a little more sense now. (laughs) (laughs) Not to me, it isn't. Um, It was only review. I mean, because you have to remember, this movie came out in 2001. That was before Rotten Tomatoes was a thing. So the only reviews it has is from professional kidnappers. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because that was back in the age when uh, movies were only... Reviewed by people who are uh, topically related to the movie. Oh, is it like one of those insider videos that's like, here's a professional kidnapper reviewing kidnappings in movies? Which, hey, insider, I don't think they've done that one yet, and they should. So that's a freebie for insider, if (laughs) you're listening. uh, Holler at your boys uh, (laughs) with with some some of that sweet YouTube ad. I know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, we're going to get a professional kidnapper. Great idea, guys. We're going to mail you a check. But our concern is what other movies besides Saving Silverman? Goodfellas. Boom. Right there. Silence of the Lambs. That's three. That's good. Kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the movie Kidnapped. That's what's already the, four. What's the, what's the Give Me Back My Son one? It was Give Me Back My Son. <laughs> it was, it's called Give Me Back My Son. Also, Taken. You're talking about Payback. Taken yeah. 2, Taken 3. Any of the Takens. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's a ton of kidnapping movies right there. So, Yeah. <laughs> A real life kidnapper rates <laughs> kidnapping scenes from movies. Yeah. I am here for it. Yeah, totally. And I think that my prediction is that Silence of the Lambs got it the best. Yeah. I mean, in that if it wasn't for Clarice, he would have gotten away with it. <laughs> and his little dog, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
give me back my dog. <laughs> you owe me the pain. <laughs> anyway, um, we're yeah. not here to discuss Silence of the Lambs, though we all could, and I think one too. This could yeah. easily <laughs> turn into a different show. I think because that's the other thing. The common bond between the three of us, if people don't know, is we are all huge Buffalo Bill fans. I mean, and not the sports team. We discovered no. that when you and Andy started dating after I kidnapped him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I put the lotion on in my skin and I put it in the basket. I don't know what else. I did, I did as I was told. <laughs> that's why another tip for everyone listening. Never help someone move a couch. Ever. Yeah, I don't care how much pizza and beer is involved. Never let someone move a couch. No, nope. no one ever needs to move a couch. It's always a ruse. <laughs> yeah. And, and when I think back to all the times that I've helped someone move a couch, uh, it was that one time when Molly asked me to help move her couch and I wound up kidnapped for six months. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even have a couch. Yeah, no, I, like, I should have known right then. That was, yeah, <laughs> when she said, a... help me move this couch that's deep in the back of this van. Mm -hmm. I mean, that should have been the first step. Right I was there. like, how deep is this van? I don't see a couch in here at all. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the couch is in the bottom of the pit. You just need to get it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> the only time I ever helped anyone uh, move a couch was David Schwimmer, and it went poorly. We get stuck on the stairs. I don't want to recap it. Yeah, but. that's also why you don't ever help somebody, because sometimes it's just fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Even if, if you don't get kidnapped, at best, you're you're really trying the bounds of that friendship. Yep. Yeah, just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, is there anything else? We I think we've kind of covered the the maligning and we kind of give a broad, I don't know if we need to zero in, but there's there's a few jokes, not as many as you would think, but there's a few jokes and comments and such that did not age well. Yeah, it's for a movie of that era. It's not as problematic as you would suspect. Yeah, you, they should put that on the DVD. Case. Yeah. No, guys, <laughs> you'll be surprised. <laughs> no, I, th I think when I rented it from Apple movies, like that's what it said. Not as problematic as you think, as you might think. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but that that is, I think, an important thing to note is that. Let's say that you had not given this movie a single thought since 2001 when you saw it 11 times on Comedy Central and TBS and various, uh, you know, TV stations. Um, and then they gave you a list of movies to say, hey, which one do you think is the most problematic? I would assume this would be at or near the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the real answer is the 40 year old virgin. We didn't know. Yeah. But yeah. that's <laughs> the one that aged terribly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because uh, like. Even this movie, which had a lot of opportunities for full-on gay panic, didn't. No, and in yeah. fact is oddly supportive of a, you know, the reveal that Jack Black's character is in fact gay, which is maybe initially played for laughs, but then played sincerely. Then they then follow it through. Yeah. I think it's the right. thing. It's no, not and then a... he actually ends up being gay and yeah. finding love with Arlie Ermy. Which, may we all be so lucky. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, that like, and that's the thing, like, other than a couple times when Steve Zahn is just like, no, you're not. Yeah. And it wasn't like, uh, you know, no way could my friend be gay. No, you're not. It's like, no, you've just been psychoanalyzed and, and duped by, uh, well, and, Amanda Pete's character. And the Judith. joke kind of works as, yeah, that. I've been your friend for your entire life and I've never had any indication that you're gay, which is again, and then Jack Black is like, well, she listened to me. So yeah. like, it is kind of played as if 
Steve Zahn could have known this, but he just missed it. Yeah. Right. And then eventually it's like, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, like a good friend should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, and- when a friend of yours comes out and 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 is honest about their gender, sexual, whatever identity, she'd be like, okay, fine. Yep. And it ends I with, love that. It ends with a triple wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I also do love that they they did tease Arlie Ermy's character being gay in, early in the movie, and then like paid it off with he and Jack Black getting together. So that was good. Yes. No. They they play well of just him being a you know sort of tough as nails coach of like just like women are distractions. Like don't like just let him go. You don't need him in their li- your life. You're like okay, that's consistent with you know this hard ass character, and then it's like oh okay. Because he's gay. Well, right. well done. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, they actually, they have jokes. They're the jokes that don't work, which I do think we we should talk about because it's worth, you know, they're, they're what I I will pick to malign is sure. you have uh, a very uh, problematic portrayal of an Asian character. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Is, <laughs> that was actually the one I was thinking of yeah. is like, especially because. There's a way to probably do that that same premise that's not insensitive. This in AAPI uh, Heritage Month is always good to highlight. Yes. But like it, the, the whole joke is like, he's Indian. That's not how you sing Neil Diamond. And that's reductive and bad. Well, there's that one, but the, which, yeah. So I'm going to say oh, there's, there's two. two. Yeah, yeah, there's two. Yes. You have that one. And then you also have the older Asian man who is masturbating oh, right, when right, right, right. Um, Amanda Pete is a briefly escapes her uh, captivity and is knocking on the windows trying to get this um, like somebody's attention. Right. And they have him basically uh, like really playing into his accent to you know, get very excited about the fact that there's... You no, know, that, that, w- that was a long duck dong level of sensitive Asian portrayal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, about, you know, there's a hot woman here and I'm super horny. It, not not great. Uh, no. And then he no. falls down the stairs and it's implied that he dies out of, you know, his excitement. Hilarious. So, worth no, that, pointing... that did not age especially well. Yeah. And in both cases, you could just cut those parts and lose yeah. nothing from this movie. Like yeah. neither neither moment needed to happen. Yeah, and uh, that kind of portrayal of uh, Asian characters is prolific in cinema history and really <laughs> yeah. in that era. So, oh no, especially yeah, yeah. Um, I I will say the only reason I'll push back is that I think they needed to have scenes where people were auditioning for the band. Um, it yes. didn't need to be an Indian guy. Right. Um, the only reason I say that is because one of my favorite moments in the entire movie is them angrily going, dot, 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 yes. dot, no, yeah. dot, I agree with that. Yes. Absolutely. Um, that is all. That is like, oh, I love that so much. But no, it didn't need to be um, this guy doing like the full on, like really stereotypical Indian accent. And yeah. the whole joke is. He's Indian. That's not how you sing Neil Diamond. And well, it's a joke. Yeah, it's a lazy joke. It's not good. And there's a, probably a more creative bad audition that they could have done. Yes. Instead. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, you know, you sit there, especially like rewatching it now and going like, oh my God, this is really holding up. Like, I'm enjoying this. And then you see this moment and you're kind of going, oh, right. Okay. And, yeah. You know, it's just 
sort of like, yeah, you, you're going to get these racially insensitive bits. Yeah. I so. mean, listen, most movies have both racial insensitivity and gay panic. This movie only had one. Yeah. Yeah. Surprising. <laughs> Although I, I guess there is one other thing that this is not. This isn't about aging well or anything. It's just a not good bit. But I, I feel like I want to mention it. The Jason Biggs attaches electrodes to his nipples to not yeah. talk about Amanda Pete, and then his nipples catch on fire. Scene could have not happened. Yeah, that was just that. Just was. Dumb physical comedy that didn't serve the overall narrative. And felt out of place with the rest of the movie. That was also a weirdly popular trope for a while. Jason Biggs with things on his nipples? I yes. mean, we all remember. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Just humiliating Jason Biggs. He had sex with a pie. <laughs> he oh, did do that. You were so good in Boys and Girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no... I'm just always the guy who fucked a pie. <laughs> it's like, dude, you fucked a pie. Yeah. Watch uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back if you haven't yeah. seen it. Um, But no, this, like... That being said, I mean, I'm ready to pivot because I think a lot of the jokes in this movie really hold up. Yeah, I mean, to, to quote David Schwimmer when I helped him move that couch, pivot, pivot. <laughs> Urge to kill rising. <laughs> rising. Um No, like there's some dumb humor in this. Like Jack Black making the noise when they're doing the walkie-talkie stuff. Yeah. Pure gold. Also Great. Jack Always Black eating noodles out of the fridge when they're supposed to be yes. kidnapping Amanda Pete. Yes. Jack Black um, wearing the stocking on his head. It's yes. The scene where Steve Zahn fights a raccoon. Yeah. Oh no no. See, that is great physical comedy. <laughs> Jason Biggs with nipple clamps, bad. Steve Zahn fighting a raccoon, no notes. Just perfect. <laughs> you know what's I was surprised to see rewatching this was how like how much follow-through in the jokes there was. And one of them that I really enjoyed was in the revelation where Jack Black comes out to Steve Zahn. He talks about uh, buying a yoga book when he's talking about like, you know, yeah, and my love of sucking dick. And he's like, <laughs> you've done that? No, but like I bought this yoga book. So a few scenes later, we end up seeing Steve Zahn with a yoga book naked in a in his, really contorted position. And his ankles by his ears. Yeah, yeah. With his head as close to his crotch as he can get. It's like, huh, did that pique an interest, buddy? Like, just really beautiful, like, carryover in the conversations. Also, fan look, again, they refer the the unfair Rotten Tomatoes rating. The composition of that shot alone. Like, just, <laughs> it's, he's completely naked, but it's also framed perfectly to be suggestive, but not actually showing anything. Then he has to answer the phone. Yeah. And you can tell that shit's difficult. Yeah. Like, his coordination <laughs> trying to answer the phone. Yeah. Also, bravo, Steve's on. Yeah. 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 Good for you, bud. Yeah. But I think I the, think, oh. Oh, God. I was going to say, the big silver lining for me 
is Amanda Pete. Yes, she's this, great. This all hinges on Judith. Yeah. Like, because she has to be unlikable. She has to be somebody who, with, like, if she was dating your best friend, you would want to do everything you can to split them up. But then she has to be a character you want to watch for the whole movie. Well, and she has to be likable in the end. Exactly. Yeah, you want her to be... You have to be... You have to accept her redemption at the end. Yeah. You want her to be... You want her to get her away from your best friend, but then want her to be with the other best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I I think that Amanda B... First of all, this reminded me how much I miss this era, Amanda Pete. Like, just the whole nine yards, like, all of the comedy stuff like this that she was doing. She was always really good in. But also because we talked about earlier, it's a problematic premise that they're kidnapping this woman. And I think what the reason that it ultimately, at least as far as I'm concerned, works is because... They kidnap her, but she immediately has the psychological upper hand on both of them and never seems like she's actually in distress. She more seems like she's biding her time to defeat them. Well, we also know in most situations, she also has the physical upper hand. Right. Yeah. She can beat both of them up. She does beat both of them up. She can get in both of their heads. God, like the I'll, fight at the end with her and Steve Zahn. Oh my god. She just it's like he comes in, hello, <laughs> friend. And she just runs towards him. You think that they're falling in love because they had their uh really hot Arby's eating scene earlier. <laughs> uh and then she just picks a chair up and just straight breaks it over his head. Yeah. And then like <laughs> punches his teeth out. He gets revenge, and she just so nonchalantly spits out her tooth. It's yes. great. It's so yeah. good. Him saying you're the hardcore bitch I've always dreamed of <laughs> is I'm the take charge man you've always wanted. Yes. You're the hardcore bitch I've always <laughs> yes. dreamed of. I also I I'm a huge fan too of when Jack Black is hiding behind the curtain from her and she initially walks past him and then comes back to find him. <laughs> like they sell her like the Terminator in this yes, movie. They really do. <laughs> and it no, she's great in every scene. And also, I mean, even at the beginning, and maybe look, I I'm not gonna pick on Jason Biggs too bad, but even when she's being mean to Jason Biggs, I kind of don't, I don't feel bad for him. I think I looked at you because I think it was maybe we were about 10 minutes into this movie where Jason Biggs said something and you just looked at me and went, God, I don't think Silverman can be saved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's the other part is Silverman himself is, he's weirdly lucky to have this woman that's terrible to him because right you know and honestly he should be with sandy perkins who it seems to have you know she's she's had a troubled life but she's she's gonna be happy with this dope versus like this milk toast doofus (laughs) but like amanda pete deserves better than than she deserves steve zahn look (laughs) if like as a woman, if I had the choice between Jason Biggs and Steve Zahn, not even a competition, like Steve Zahn all yeah. the way. I mean, really between the three, it's Jack Black, but still. R. Lee Ermey. Fair. <laughs> Which, uh, can, we, can we take a minute, because I was reflecting on this when I was watching it. No one has 
just sort of stumbled into an amazing career the way Arlie Ermey has. And I, I don't mean that dismissively, but I just love his origin story because he was a consultant on Full Metal Jacket because he had yeah. been a drill sergeant and he was a better drill sergeant than anyone else in Full Metal Jacket. So they put him on screen. And that made him an instant star. And he had a hugely prolific career and like was so in on the joke. The fact yes. that he yeah. did this movie just shows that this dude can laugh at himself. Oh, yeah. yeah. He is a joke in this movie. Like yeah. he's he's still playing to his type. He's this intimidating, you know, guy that yells at everyone. Again, a drill sergeant, high school football coach. It's all in the same lane, you know, but uh, but yeah, he's hilarious in this. <laughs> So you know, I just like <laughs> the whole scene when he comes and says, like, all right, boys, I'm living with you now. <laughs> like, uh, actually, actually, we uh, uh, it's like, I got to go go to the bathroom. Uh, we don't. Sorry, we don't use the bathroom trying to save water. Good idea. And then takes, <laughs> takes a, a dump in their front yard and then comes in and starts eating their food <laughs> so without good. washing his hands. Yeah, it's um, no, he's great. One hell of a yes and. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, I mean, we sort of talked around it, but just to to emphasize it even harder, the not like Steve Zahn and Jack Black individually are great in this movie, but the two of them together have fantastic buddy comedy like energy and they play off of each other really well. And they have the classic comedy pairing of skinny guy, heavy set guy and smart guy, dumb guy. And it's all just working beautifully together. Oh, yeah. I'm amazed that they didn't do more buddy stuff together, given their chemistry. Right. Oh, yeah. I would have watched 10 more movies with both of them just trying and failing to do schemes, honestly. <laughs> yeah, just just watching them ha- hatch schemes. <laughs> them coming in when at the engagement party, when uh, Judith is introducing... Silverman to his new friends <laughs> and them just coming in just being like we're his best friends <laughs> is so sincere and so crazy <laughs> yeah um <laughs> i do think that that's the other thing that works for the amanda pete stuff is it, it they do a good job making everything that she does ludicrous like f- there's that that you have new best friends but then even like i don't have sex before marriage but don't worry, we can but still you can have a go down on me. You can go down on me. And then later when she's mad at him, takes that off the table is just fantastic. <laughs> yep. And revokes his masturbation. Privilege. And tells him he can't <laughs> masturbate anymore. <laughs> Truly um, an icon. Yeah. Yeah. We already talked about uh, Sandy Perkis from the circus. The names in this movie are first rate. They yes. really are. So Darren Silverman finds Saving Silverman is the title of the movie, but you have Wayne LaFessier, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, J.D. McNugent, <laughs> and Judith Fessbegler, <laughs> who, who Dar- for whom Darren is taking her name when they get married. Of so course. Darren well, yeah, because she is an overbearing bitch who proposed to him, which <laughs> I just want to say is a major red flag. And oh, anyone, red flag. anyone. Who would accept a proposal from their girlfriend? I think Huge should be yeah. should be questioned. That? that is ridiculous. A, yeah. Um. <laughs> but no, like all those names are great, and I don't know. I think we're also at the point of the podcast where we can talk about Neil Diamond. Yeah, 
Let's he's do the, it. He's the right. Cho- There's no other choice for that celebrity that they're obsessed with. Well, and I, I, I think I said this to Molly when we were watching it too. Going into this movie, I don't care about Neil Diamond. I, as a human being, Neil Diamond does not really mean anything to me. But when you finish Saving Silverman, you feel like you are a Neil Diamond fan, and I think that that's a feat. That the, their their love of him feels so sincere. He's used really well. Yes. His cameo at the end is great. Yep, it makes you cheer for them on stage with Neil Diamond. A thing I would not normally care about in any other context. Yeah, right. No, like they completely succeeded at threading that, and it makes a, it makes the whole friendship meaningful. Well, I love that that's their friendship, that they're three high school. Like, I think that honestly, we have we've kind of mentioned all these things, but just to say, because I think it's the names. I think it's Sandy Perkins. I think it's the Neil Diamond thing. This movie could have been cookie cutter. And I think what elevates it is they made fun choices for things that didn't matter that could have just been whatever there are three friends who drink beers together no there are three friends who do neil diamond songs together it also emphasizes the fact that like like judith is emotionally abusing darren and at the point that it really hits home (laughs) is when she takes his neil diamond records yes burns them yeah in front of him we're like you really sit there because they've built this up of like, this is what brings him joy and meaning in yeah. his life. And she will not allow that to happen. She's robbing him of his identity. And as a viewer, that hurts to watch in yeah. this ridiculous movie. Well, and it's like, that's how they met. They met after one of their shows. He was wearing a sequined shirt. Yeah. Like, clearly, this is what his life is all about. And it's a clear sign of like, no, I'm going to tell you what your life is about. Exactly. Now. <laughs> Which I do want to take a moment to talk about that first scene with Judith. Because, again, I watched this first as a middle schooler and now as an adult. That scene hits differently as an adult woman (laughs) because judith does a lot of things wrong in this movie but that first scene rings so true (laughs) so so every time you've been hit on a magician that's how you respond basically yes (laughs) because that scene introduces her and she is cold she's harsh she's a bitch but she's also a cold harsh bitch by necessity and it's fascinating to see her just come into this public space, just existing, and be identified, you know, correctly as a really, really pretty woman, but instantly give off signals of like, I'm here for myself. I'm alone. I'm reading a book. I'm bringing a book to a bar. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. and immediately like hi i want to you know i'm coming to hit on you no (laughs) like that's a very clear rejection no 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 i'm continuing this no no get away from me okay i'm gonna go lie to my friend now and tell him that your presence that his presence is welcome (laughs) like now another person's gonna come over and hit on you it's very annoying get away from me go no get away okay, this person's coming back. The only way I can get this person away from me is to grab this less threatening person and present them as my significant other. 
this is the annoying choice I now have to make. <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, uh, like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> also, shout out to Kyle Gass, the other half of Tenacious D. Yes, yes. for playing for playing the magician. Yeah. yeah. Oh, A plus portrayal and very, very truthful. <laughs> no, I, it's you, the role he was born to play annoying musician or music magician that uh uh you know jason biggs is the lesser of two evils yeah yeah <laughs> yep yeah it's, annoying uh, magician who punches above his weight at the bar <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's a fascinating and unfortunately very truthful way to introduce judith's character although actually i'm sorry i want to rescind my last statement the role that kyle was born to play was uh one half of a christmas children's book writing duo working for james Cobb. it's <laughs> 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 his actual meaning in life the him and the other beloved sidekick uh teaming up to write books about uh vegetables <laughs> Who are vulnerable and learn life lessons. Judith wouldn't have dated them either. No. no she would have true. dated James Caan in that movie. <laughs> oh my <Who> God. <laughs> that, there's there's too much big dick energy in that relationship. I'm sorry. I was about to say. Um, uh, this is just, just a really excellent bit of Jack Blackness in this movie. Is right before uh, Judith gets introduced... Uh, after Darren Silverman is rejected by in favor of a mime. <laughs> when Jack Black's like, oh, I wonder what he's like when he's having sex. Like, oh, I'm a mime. Ugh. It's like, mimes don't talk. They do when they're off the clock. Just brilliant. Yep. Just brilliant. such a great little dumb throwaway line. Um, So one of my favorite bits of IMDb trivia in this movie is that a couple of times, uh, like sort of the... Uh, the battle cry of Steve Zahn and Jack Black is coming a yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Neil Diamond's like, "Why the hell are you guys saying that?" He's like, "Oh, because you said it on this live album." And he's like, "No, I didn't." <laughs> and then they played, and he's like, "I stand corrected." <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Look, it's, no, it's so good. <laughs> But also, one more thing too. Before and I mean, when they do the and when he, when Neil Diamond does his song at the end, uh, before like the, all the lights come up, he goes, "Come on, yeah!" <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but no, it's I, so I want to because we glossed over something, but it's its own silver lining, and that is the RB scene with Steve Zahn and Amanda <laughs> Pete. It's it's hilarious it's andy is fanning himself it's weirdly kind of hot (laughs) like it's yeah weird hot is really yeah (laughs) well just like you can watch uh wayne lefessier processing after the rb sauce from the big montana drips onto her cleavage it's like wait do i get it it? like i want to get it do i what i (laughs) it's oh it's that scene is might be the best scene in the whole movie. It's and when it's Amanda Pete, when he because he has the realization, well, you're handcuffed and I can't let you go. I just need one hand. Yep. Is also, <laughs> and you'll, it, you'll know you won't regret it. Yep. You won't regret. And I think the other thing about that scene is it's hilarious. It's kind of hot. And the other thing is that it is the only scene that we get to sell us on the ending 
that Steve Zahn and Amanda Peet are going to end up together. And you buy it because yep. of how good the RB scene is. <laughs> also, yes. God, how did Arby's feel about that scene? Like that's the most positive press that Arby's has that's ever what I'm thinking. in I'm just being popular like- culture. I, I actually heard it was after they watched that scene that they came up with the tagline, we have the meats. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it's referring to. Yeah. Um, no, that that's and that's when Ving Rhames was like, I went in on this. <laughs> All in, baby. I didn't know it was a sexy brand. <laughs> Carl's Jr. was like, oh, my God, can we do something with this? <laughs> oh, Carl's Jr. Um. No, this movie, like, again, I think it's one of the most unfairly maligned movies that we've watched for this podcast. Uh, I think the reviews do not reflect um, a comedy from the early aughts that aged surprisingly well. Yes. Maybe yeah. not aged, but held up surprisingly well. Yes. Um, it's a fun movie and it's enjoyable and there are worse ways to spend 93 minutes. Well, that's and again, we we bring this up a lot, but it's always worth mentioning. It's. It's a breezy watch, baby. Like, just <laughs> give it 90 minutes. Come on. Like, what are you yeah. doing with your time? <laughs> and then listen to a couple of Neil Diamond songs. He is truly one of America's great songwriters. Eh. <laughs> You're going to say that after this movie? I am. I'm going to say that after Three this movie. Three happily married couples. <laughs> because of Neil. Do you think they all stayed together? Uh, I think... Arlie Ermey and Jack Black did not. I think that was a trauma relationship. And yeah. I think that they realized that uh, that they're not meant for each other. But I think the they stayed close. Make it. I think they stayed friends. Yeah. yeah. But I think they realized that they're not a couple. But yeah. I think the others made it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah. I think I think that I think they did. I think Jason Biggs ends up joining the circus. Like they, they b- both go back to the circus eventually with her family. Yeah. It's his calling. Sure. Yeah. That's what I want to believe. I feel like the Judith bl- recognizes that she absolutely needs Wayne. Yeah. Like, well, after her kickboxing boyfriend tragically died in front of her. Oh, my God. That's, that scene is like... Ludicrous, but a good backstory just, for her character. Justified. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it gives her character some, some uh, pathos from the audience. Yeah. Well, I love it, too, because it's like he's a kickboxer, but then clearly that's like an underground fighting ring that yeah. he is yes. competing in. Yeah. <laughs> and his body was just thrown in a dumpster. Like, it was oh, not. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. He did not get a proper burial. <laughs> no. No. Yes. Part of her contingent of being allowed to leave Thailand was that she had to pretend she never knew that guy. Yep. Yeah. Also... We haven't mentioned, and I don't know that it's uh, silver lining or maligning. It just is, and it should be mentioned, that during uh, their courtship, Judith makes Darren get butt implants. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yeah. It's a true fact. (laughs) And it is. And his friends make fun of him. And his friends make fun of him. But we are treated to a brief view of the butt implant surgery. <laughs> Which he wakes up during. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also want to know, they're not having sex. She's not really seeing his ass. But she's seen it in pants, and she doesn't like what she's seeing. <laughs> yeah. That just feels like she's 
pushing the boundaries of what she can get away with. Like, oh, oh I do think there's a fair amount of just she can't. She, I see. I think that she wants a Steve Zahn type, but she's trying to convince herself that she doesn't. But what she's actually doing with Silverman, it's he. She wants him to stand up to her. Yeah. Like yeah, she, she's looking the, for the breaking point and it never yeah. comes. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> nope. Now he's got juicy, juicy butt implants. I, which yeah. he just seemingly has. I mean, did, did he take he? those own? Yeah. <laughs> I I also realized with recapping the kickboxing thing, both of the women that end up with Silverman do so after a horrific trauma where someone they love dies in front of them. I don't know. You're easy. <laughs> <laughs> just... You either have to be a foreign exchange student, a pie, or someone experiencing trauma to date Jason Biggs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, death in this movie, the, the one other joke that is just delightful, when they rob a grave to have a corpse to fake Judith Festbegler's death, that <laughs> the news report <laughs> reports on the death of Judith Festbegler, and then... <laughs> The next story is in a completely unrelated yes, story. Yes. The grave of Sharon Jones was robbed today. Uh, the suspects are four Cuban nationals. Oh, man. Who that, are in custody. Yeah. <laughs> that one is, I don't even know if I could, like, if I laughed at that or if I just went, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that one. That one's true. <laughs> it's like I like it. I think it's I think it's a good bit of of satire. Yeah, well, no, I mean I think it's I think it's effective. I think I just It's dark, but it's also tidy writing in that like it ties up that loose end of yeah. you know all of that. Although, I mean we do, you know, I'm not even mad at it because what were they gonna do? But like the end of this movie hand waves past the fact that they are fugitives from the law who should still be charged with her kidnapping. I guess she pressed, like, she dropped the charges, but we never but the covered thing is, it. Like, you can't drop charges like that. That's not how charges work. Yeah, it's not like, yeah, it's not her call <laughs> to, like, no. kidnapping and false imprisonment and then a prison break, you know, like, are all, right. you know, seemingly charges that they would, you know, face consequences for. A guy who was recently acquitted on a shaky appeal for a murder charge breaks them out of prison. Yeah. Neil Diamond hired them one hell of a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think we did it. No, we definitely did it. <laughs> um, no, this this is a fun movie that I have fond memories for. Um and you know, it, it holds up and it I think it's it's worth it again, it's 90 minutes. Yeah. Guys, this entire show, in the back of my mind, I just keep thinking Silverman Linings playback. There you go. Yeah. Coming a yeah! <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.